Welcome to the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Marina Buxov, holistic health coach, clinical herbalist, and functional medicine pharmacist, or just holistic pharmacist for short. I'll be sharing inspiring stories of my guests who have shifted into holistic modalities, both personally and professionally. My co-host, Dr. Jenna Carmichael, will be joining me to lead the Journal Club episodes to share an evidence-based approach to holistic and herbal medicine. I'm so glad you're here and hope you enjoy the show. Hello, my dear listeners, and welcome to Season 7 of the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. We are back for a fresh new season after a short break for integration and recalibration after the winter holidays. I hope that you're all taking good care of yourselves and doing the visionary work now to plant seeds for a fruitful harvest in 2024. So now without further ado, allow me to introduce my first guest of this season, who is a remarkable pharmacist and holistic practitioner who overcame many challenges and is now helping others heal despite all obstacles. Her mission is to shatter the misconceptions about stress and help people recognize their innate ability to be healthy and well. Seeing health in this new light influences effective brain responses that stimulate positive epigenetic modifications without altering the underlying DNA sequence. Recognized for breaking the code on stress and the legacy of degeneration, Tammy Davis is minimizing disease management and raising the standard of healthcare. After 40 plus years in the field, which includes pharmacology, psychology, epigenetics, and aromatherapy, she's an internationally celebrated pioneer and thought leader for her groundbreaking work and discovery of revolutionary aromatherapy and Aroma, an integrative mastermind plus academy. She's a clinical neuroaromatherapist, coach, author, speaker, consultant, and facilitator on a mission to end the normalization of stress and its impact on human health, including that of the unborn. So let's welcome Tammy to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. And I have with me today a very special colleague. Her name is Tammy Davis, and she is a pharmacist and a clinical neuroaromatherapist. So welcome to the show, Tammy. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, my pleasure. We got to know each other over these last couple of months through RPH Ally and the work that we do there. And you were a guest lecturer in my class and my program. So really appreciate you. And I really want to just dive in today and learn about your journey into clinical aromatherapy from pharmacy is is my understanding. Uh, So Mm -hmm. what got you interested in pharmacy? How did that journey look like? You know, how did you grow up and how did you become a pharmacist? I, um, that's a really, wow. It, it, I've always been intrigued with health and, um, the way I, the way it all just kind of unfolded was my sister was actually diagnosed with a rather serious health condition. She, um, was born with a hole in, in her heart and it, it developed into a, um, an enlarged heart. And then there was complications with respiration, you know, the respiratory system. And ultimately, uh, what, what she lost her life and as a, and the, what took her life was the, um, 
the development of a neurological cyst. Um, they ended up pulling out 90 cc's of fluid, so it was rather substantial. Um, she was 13, and my father made a statement because everybody kept saying it was an inoperable tumor, and his statement to the doctors was there's just no way that this child has all of these separate conditions. There's got to be something. There's got to be a connection to all of this. And it was through her passing that I, on, on a very deep level, committed to getting to know, to becoming a part of the health industry and really wanting to touch people's lives through, of all things, pharmaceuticals. Because I had gone to the dentist and met the dentist was actually um, graduating from pharmacy school. <laughs> and through between my sister's transition and meeting um, Charles, um, Dr. Kopic, we um, we really hit it off. I became very interested because it seemed to me that I could make a difference in the field of pharmacy. So that's how I got into pharmacology. And then from there, um, it just kind of, it was just, it was a fascinating journey of the, the study of drug development, learning about how the research that was going on around plants, and then ultimately meeting, of all things, a professional nose. Um, in a small business class, and she was one of seven in the world, and she developed thyroid cancer. And her statement was that it was thyroid cancer was due to the synthetics that she was working with. Um, she was convinced that it had a direct impact on her endocrine system. And so what she did was she left the industry and began her own um, natural fragrance company and invited me just to kind of like as a side hustle, kind of like a side gig to play in the lab with her. And so I did. And ultimately what ended up happening was the, the effects that these oils were having on me. I didn't, I knew nothing about essential oils, nothing. I mean, I had, you know, I was so wrapped up in scent that it was just, I was finding myself to be highly energized. I could feel myself getting really, you know, really, like I said, just energized is the best way. I wouldn't say stimulated, but there was just a, a surge of energy, or I would find myself the exact opposite. So supremely relaxed, and it was nothing I was doing other than just mixing perfume at the time. And ultimately, she led me, um, she took me to a various number of, um, industry um, symposiums and whatnot workshops and that's where I met Robert Tisserande first off and then I met his colleague Kurt Schnaubelt who is an organic and biochemist from Austria and that works with oils and was teaching about oils and because of the science that he was talking about I it just hooked me so that is kind of how it all became linked that's how it all became, that's how I, how it started. Um, but what I do now is completely different than what I was even doing back then. Wow. Well, thank you so much for really taking us on that condensed <laughs> journey of uh, your professional development. And I also appreciate you sharing your personal story, which is really tragic. And I'm so sorry that you had to go through that loss. And it's really profound. It's an initiation, right? Even though it's a death that often like 
gives life to something else. So you were able to transform that experience to use it for good, you know, and to go into the health profession and to help other people perhaps in different ways. So I want to ask you, how did you find pharmacy to, to be, you know, part of this, part of the system of healing? Like how does pharmacy help us heal? Um, and how does it relate to aromatherapy? How are you able to play with those oils in a sense as a pharmacist? This is a great question. Um, pharmacy is, is a fantastic field because what they're doing in pharmacy is they're really studying plant constituents. They've been studying plants. for We've been using plants for thousands of years. Um, one of the very first examples, early examples that we have of the development of medication is through Merck, the big pharmaceutical company. Back in the 17th century, I get the chills just thinking about it, back in the 17th century, um, Herr Merck, he had, a, um, he had an apothecary in Germany, and he was really wanting to support people. He, his, the tragedy was there was a terrific, ter, pardon me, a terrific amount of pain that plants were not able to touch. They weren't enough. And ultimately what he did was he found a way to extract the alkaloids of the poppy plant because he knew that the poppy plant had a sedative, it had a medicated, it had that pain relieving, it had an analgesic effect. So what he did is he found a way to actually extract those alkaloids. And as a result, we have codeine, morphine, and of course, well, the evolution of heroin. <laughs> but, um, but that is the original, to me, that is a profound story of how they were able to use plants and begin to create concentrations of it so that it could impact health and make a difference. And today, we continue to do that. Pharmacology fascinates me to this moment because even through the pandemic, they were really digging into plants. And when I talk about oils, there's not a lot of science to the oil as an individual oil, but there's a tremendous amount of evidence to show that these constituents that are that do exist in genuine essential oils, I could cry. It gets me so worked up and excited because these constituents really have um, what they're what they're doing is they're uh, assessing how these they're assessing the pharmacodynamics of these constituents is how I would say it because they're really paying attention to how these constituents influence various genetic receptor activity as well as liver enzymes. So for the metabolism and the elimination, they, they study all of this. And then what they're doing in um, the labs is they're recreating these in a concentrated dose in, in, on, on along the same lines that um, Mr. Merck was doing, which is just creating a concentration. So this is how pharmaceuticals actually do make a difference because when it comes to essential oils, for as profound and as beneficial as they are, when we get to the advancement of disease and um, health and, and, you know, and disorders, they're not enough. And so the concentrated amount really influences activity in the body that can promote, obviously, symptom relief. And the addition of the oils really um, establishes a homeostasis because oils, when you use them, 
what I like to say, the secret sauce to oils is you don't want to repeat the mechanism of action when it comes to the medication. So, and it, you know, so like if you're, if it's an antidepressant, you don't want to use oils that have antidepressant properties to them. And we can get into the science of that. There's very specific constituents that have that influence, but the, the fact is, is what you want to do is use them in a way that promotes that homeostasis, that, that provides that negative feedback so that the body can now begin to self-regulate and really establish a more healing um, and more health beneficial, you know, for the health of it is really for the health of it. It, it takes pharmaceuticals beyond disease management and moves them into healthcare. And to me, that's really where, um, that's my stand is how can we make that, how can we, how can we bridge this gap so that we can begin to move beyond that disease management? Yeah, that's such a good point. Um, when we talk about holistic and natural remedies and foundations of health, that's hard to get from a drug and a pharmaceutical industry. That's not the indication for a drug. So that's where we can use all of these natural substances, foods, rest, lifestyle management, stress relief, and, and all of that stuff. Supporting the pillars is still the foundation of health, but sometimes you need more. And that's when the drugs really have that role. So as you mentioned, you can't just... Um, rely always on the foundations, but you always need to focus on the foundations alongside with any other pharmacologic intervention. And we learned that in pharmacy school. So it's so interesting to, to see um, these two worlds, you know, the Western medicine and pharmacy and how it interacts with the herbalism and the essential oils. Um, and so I'm curious your perspective as a pharmacy, you know, somebody that went through the pharmacology training, and it also sounds like you're uh, fascinated by the history of our profession as well. Um, you're even like getting me excited about it too. Um, <laughs> so how does that serve you as you go into like the more holistic realm, including essential oils? The way that works together is, um... It really comes down to to understanding the pharmacodynamics of it, and then through part of part of the development of pharmacology and the advancement of pharmacology really does get involved in the epigenetics of it, because that's what they're looking at is the epigenome. So how are we focusing on that? And so for the last fifteen years, more or less, I have really taken this work that with the oils and moved it beyond books and websites. And what I mean by that is because of the studies that they're doing on the epigenome when it comes to plant constituents and drug development, one of the things that they're actually trying to figure out how to do is create synergy. Um, they're using a lot of, there's a lot of nanotechnology that's actually getting um, added, that's being included in the development of medications um, for the advancement, for this, from, um, pardon me, for the synergy. Yet the synergy is something that exists naturally in plants. And how, and so what I've done is really dig into, by paying attention to the pharmaceutical studies and recognizing how these constituents are, how do I want to say, how they are being processed by the epigenome, how they're being 
metabolized by the gut flora, by, you know, the how they're being eliminated. Looking at it from that level, they have actually been able to identify the individual properties of every oil. So every oil basically has, and it, it's got a very unique way of influencing the system. And through, again, through pharmacy, I've been able to, because of the, the work with the epigenome, it, the pharmacogenomics has really made a big difference in how we can apply oils at that level. Um, so that we now are able to personalize them as opposed to somebody just picking up a book or going onto the website and trying to identify which oil. It's kind of like, well, I don't, we, I don't have any really good examples of the United States. And France, to this day, they actually do, um, what, they, what they do is they actually will take a plant or they'll take oils, they will take a culture of an individual's um, fluids and they will identify certain oils, and then they will test single oils in a in petri dishes and identify how a an individual's um, fluids respond to these oils. And that's how they begin to identify which oils are best for them. Like I said, about 15 years ago is when I really started realizing that my frustration was that I was treating this conventionally, working with people conventionally, and um. And there was interactions that were happening. And that's the other component to this. There were, you know, they were having adverse reactions. Of course, we don't look at oils at that level. We don't think them that, you know, they're, they're labeled as grass. And so, yeah. And my, so my, my, th and I only, I, I feel like, <laughs> like I'm he hesitating because I'm trying to come up with the right words. But the fact is, is that patient safety matters. And what I was finding was I was frustrated because what I ultimately want is to, for people to feel good in their skin. That's the reason why I decided I settled for the name or settled at the title of neural aromatherapist because the brain influences every activity in neuro, um, neuroplasticity. And when we can begin to work at it with that level um, and combine these uniquely with homeostasis in mind, then what we can ha what we can do is we can actually provide benefits. And like I said, ultimately what I was experiencing was that people were like, they would get past the symptom relief and then something else would happen. And it was just like the symptom chasing kind of thing. And it was frustrating for me. So that is ultimately, that became my, my impetus for pursuing a deeper understanding of the oils, and I rely on the on the pharmaceutical studies to really show me what they're looking at, because they're as intrigued by health issues <laughs> as I am. And with my own, I ended up being diagnosed with cancer, two different types of cancer, and I was frustrated. Um, well, that's putting it mildly, actually, because I lived the lifestyle, and I was even embarrassed, to be honest with you. Because here I'd been living the lifestyle of using oils, and I still ended up with health issues. That really became the next foundation for wanting to up-level this because of my commitment to my sister. I wanted to find out how can we make a difference for people. And I didn't feel like it, people should be losing their, their, their life at such a young age. And with my cancer, it was frustrating, like I said, because I have 
eaten a plant-based diet from a very, very young age. I've been physically active. I was using oils. I was doing all the, <laughs> I was doing all the things that they promote and I ended up with cancer anyway. So that's when I realized that the epigenome is in fact our stress response and I discovered adaptation. And that's the one thing that I feel is missing in pharmacy is they don't look at adaptation. There's so much, um, the way I liken it is like the foot on the gas all the time. You know, like if you take an SSRI, you know, it's just like, it's just the foot on the gas. And how can we give it a break, give it that rest? You know, like you were saying, that's one of the foundations for being healthy is rest. So how can we give our body that break? And, um, and my gosh, this goes really deep because that's when I started really discovering endocrine disruptors um, and the way they're looking at that, um, how these actually do exist in oils. Oils are a lot of the times, you know, can create further issues in the system. So taking all of this into consideration, um, it's fair to say that for the longest time, I had my head buried in books. And, but I feel like it was for all, for the right reasons, you know, because ultimately there is a way to end dis-ease and it really is the way I look at the word dis-ease, it's simply a lack of ease in the body. That's what it is. And although pharmacy has, is very, very well intentioned and we all get into this field because we want to make a difference for people's health. Um, my frustration was in the fact that it was only getting people so far and then there was the next and then there was the next. And as I said, um, it was working with a group of autistic children that I discovered the um, adverse reactions that were occurring between oils and medications. And then there was my cancer. And so it just did a flip. And that's why I say the secret sauce is the don't duplicate the mechanism of action for the sake of patient safety. Wow. Thank you so much uh, for sharing <laughs> all of those clinical pearls with us and also your own experience. Again, um, I do feel like people who are representing, right, with their lifestyle and their choices, a certain position, um, there's a lot of judgment, you know, that can go into somebody's health care choices and medical freedom and all of that. And we just experienced that throughout the pandemic. Um, and then like your body sort of having this uh, perspective that your body's failing you, right? Like you're trying your best to support your body, but it's still failing. Um, but for most of us, that is really not our fault. It's because we have the odds stacked against us, right? And the environment and the toxins, like you said, so it's not only your personal choices, it's really like the collective things that we're all predisposed to that mm -hmm. uh, create this allostatic load on our system. And then no matter how uh, intelligent our body is, right, and having all these negative feedback loops that it has, which is why pharmacy substances, pharmaceutical substances do have side effects is because our body is trying to fight against the mechanism because it wants to regulate itself. So where do we support the body, right, in healing itself? And then where are these more um, higher end 
big gun approach is necessary. And that's really where I feel like we need to navigate and work together with all the tools that are Mm -hmm. available versus like, this is better because nothing is a panacea, you know, and when we don't exist in a vacuum. Um, And I just want to touch on uh, the brain and the central nervous system piece and why that's so important is because our experiences, whether real or perceived, is what shape our reality and our brain processes all that. It's the processing sensor um, center um, of our sensations, right? And so there is like not always an objective, right? Um, reality, and a lot of it is subjective. So it it's up to us to have this homeostasis and the set point to be more uh, positive and to be more beneficial. And that's where mindset work and all the other lifestyle things also make a difference and essential oils and herbs and all of those things can help too, uh, because your brain is processing all of this stuff that we have bombarding us and the responses that we have to this stuff and it's tracking it. And so it's really, really important to understand that the environment and us, we're really like an interface, right? Yeah. Our body is an interface. And just because we're taking a drug or any other substance, our body also has to process that both in the CNS and also in our microbiome and digest and absorb all those things and then detox properly. Like it's all a very big complex mechanism. And just because we're, we know and we are adept at adjusting like levers, doesn't mean that there's not a whole lot of things happening behind the scenes. And even if you have a genetic predisposition, like you said, it's the epigenetic factors and how we activate those genes that really are going to show you what actually happens and then how your microbiome processes these things and, and your body breaks it down. Like I mentioned, it's not as simple as like, here's, you know, what I'm doing and here's the input and output. There's just so much about this interface. <laughs> It's true. And, and and you said something that was really key, which is the body failing us. And I think that's part of the um, the mindset is when people look at their body and they're experiencing the dis-ease, they see an enemy, you know, they or they look at themselves and it's an enemy. And it's something that was said to me just last week in a conversation. I thought it was the most brilliant thing and I want to share it now, which is when you see the enemy, you've already lost. Because what happens when you see the enemy, you want to take it down, you want to control it. It, 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 it stimulates that fear factor. Now we're back into that emotional body, that part of that complexity that, that you're talking about, that interface. And so when we are emotionally reacting to something, it's affecting the way the brain is processing information. Um, it's changing out the way the brain is using chemistry, or I should say the body is actually using chemistry altogether. So when we start to include in this case oils um being able to help i don't i guess the word i want to use is down regulate those emotions like really help to i mean we've done it in a lot of um working with them a lot in emdr where it helps to because people can't take their meds during an emdr treatment but they can actually use oils because it doesn't affect the cognitive ability, in fact, oils will actually restore cognitive control and actually and break up that habitual control that we get into, that rigidity, and they, they create a more of a fluidity in the way the brain is processing information. 
now you have a better, you're better equipped to begin to detox and eliminate, like you were saying. And so really helping the autonomic nervous system through that emotional regulation is if we did nothing else with oils but help create homeostasis with our emotions, the body would, the body would actually follow suit. Now the beautiful thing about oils is, you know, I'll give you an example, like, um, an orange or a lot of the citrus are recommended for depression. That's why you wouldn't want to use them with an antidepressant because they do act like SSRIs. But that said, um, they have other benefits to it. So it's more than just taking something like Prozac. You know, it's, it's more than that. It's actually doing more for the system. Now, I say all of that and then I must underscore this by saying there is you, you, you never want to use them if you suspect that you are depressed <laughs> or if you are if you've been clinically diagnosed with depression do not just go for the oils because as i said in the beginning they're not substantial enough they're not concentrated enough to really keep you in a state of um uh stability yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And the safety component that you are honing in on is so key because, again, most people just tend to like think in dualities, like black and white, like this is good for me, this is bad for me, this is always good, this is never bad. And it's just not the case. The world doesn't work that way. And it's important to recognize like the polarity only goes so far, but there's so much gray area. And that's why working with a practitioner who has studied and done all the research and has experience is super important. And then that mindset, like you said, about um, the relationship you have with your body and with healing and being ready to heal. And instead of seeing you know, your body as a somebody who who's betrayed by their body, right? having maybe that gratitude for all the things that are going well and focusing on supporting your body to continue to self-regulate and support healing processes because your body is always on your side. And I've also noticed, you know, like we have war on cancer, we have war on drugs, war on this, war on that. I am so glad you said that. (laughs) Yeah, it's I'm so glad you said that. I didn't mean to speak over you, but I I actually had that very same thought because I keep saying everywhere, fight cancer. I'm like, no, 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 we don't want to fight it. We want to, <laughs> I'm not saying, you know, it's, we don't want to make peace with it. it we, it's there. We want to work with it, but yeah, you don't want to fight it. Yeah. And all of these um, disease states and diagnoses, especially like these chronic states that we're seeing now with autoimmunity and inflammation and ADHD and autism and all of uh, cancer, it's like, this is part of your body, right? Your body is growing these type of cells, or there's this sort of pathology. So you're at war with literally your own body when you say things like that. And when you, you know, give those therapies a name, right? Um, That we're fighting this thing, because it's not an entity outside yourself. And you're automatically, you know, at war with yourself, which is never beneficial. No, and that's really true. And the thing is, is that, um, um, you know, being at, like you said, being at war, um, befriending your system. That what I what what came to mind when you were talking, and I just had to retrieve it, was the fact that 
if we did nothing else and realized that our body is actually working, if it wasn't working, we wouldn't even be sitting here talking right now. So the body is actually working. And if we can be grateful for the fact that it's working really, really hard to keep you alive. Um, that's part of the reason why you're exhausted. You know, <laughs> just it's, it's working really hard. And there are ways to remedy that for sure. And not only remedy that, but actually help improve it so that it can move beyond. I heard Diane Van, Van Furstenberg once, in an interview, somebody asked her how old she was, and she said, I've lived, and I forget how old, what her age was. She says, I, she gave up the word aging, and she said, I don't want to age well, I want to live well. And that's really what this is about, is how can we live well? The quality of life matters, you know, and the one thing I have to tell you, Marina, that really disturbs me more than anything, is that we're bringing children into this world, and they're observing. Even if we said nothing, they're observing the the the, the belief system, with it, which is we grow up, we, we end up with health issues, and then, you know, aging is painful and degenerative. That's what our kids are learning, um, regardless of whether what they're told, they're seeing it. And I feel like it's time to, to change that path, to give them a different model, because the different model is definitely possible. And that's what I see for them. Yeah, and we've also lost the reverence and honoring our elderly population. We like throw them in a nursing home and forget about them um, when there's a lot of wisdom that they have for us. And we also don't honor our ancestors or tradition. And, you know, it's it's part of like a bigger cultural shift. But I'm so glad that we're even having this conversation and recognizing that. Um, but I don't want to get off topic. I really want to learn more about your career trajectory and how you've mm -hmm. evolved from, you know, wearing the har the pharmacist hat. Uh, so what jobs have you had and how do you practice today as a pharmacist and an aromatherapist? Well, I've actually worked in, um, I worked in treatment facilities. Um, in administering medications, you know, you know, prescribing medications, recommending medications, and so forth, and began to introduce oils at that level. That's where we got involved with EMDR. Um, so that was the role I went from. I guess you would say I didn't ever work. Well, I did start out actually in corporate pharmacy, and then it was more in, um, specialty at that point. I went into a specialty which was more along the lines of mental health, and then from there just I began to integrate oils while because I was there in many I was able to do it. I had full range of you know that was within my scope of practice and it remains within the scope of practice. Um, and so now what I do is I work side by side with pharmacists who are still on on you know who are a part of a staff or who are on who have independent pharmacies. We work together. I do um, do a, some clinical consulting with a couple of neural rehab centers to be able to um, introduce oils, again, for the patient's safety, because we have a lot of kids, teens, and adults who are in these facilities taking medications, and they're actually using oils in these facilities. So I do a lot of teaching and consulting along those lines as well to make sure that, um, to make sure these patients are able to get the most out of their treatment and, um, while benefiting from the use of a more holistic approach or an integrative approach. Yeah. Um, 
Thanks for sharing that as well. And I want to ask you for our audience out there that may be a pharmacist that's interested in essential oils or other holistic modalities. What would um what would what advice would you give them about how to break into this industry, right? It sounds like for you, it was kind of like meeting the right people, right place, right time. And then it just kind of went and maybe there were some synchronicities. So how could somebody like facilitate that for themselves or what other tips do you have for them? The, I, the first thing I'm going to say is stay away from AI. <laughs> <laughs> I say that because I did, I actually did have a pharmacist. Um, he kind of gave me a little challenge one day because he's wanting to get more into, into consulting. And he, he input a patient with medication. I think it was an anti, it was um, metformin and then there was a statin and then there was a blood pressure med. And, um, and they came back with its own recommendations, including oils. And I just took it apart because especially with the oil, I'm like, that's just not going to work. So don't, don't consult AI, whatever you do. And they're just pulling information. AI is just pulling information off a website and books. That's what it's doing. Um, but the tip that, I mean, the recommendation that I have is, wow, that's a, that's a tough question. Um, I'd be happy to get on the phone with people because this is actually a field that I've developed. This is not something um, that, and I am really committed to teaching people how to do this. I would say dabble in at least in some complementary and alternative ideas. You know, get a get a feel for plants in general, you know, like you know herbs and nutrition, and really get a feel for that. Um, and you're welcome to get on a call because I'd be happy to explain more about this and, and talk more about this. Um, because, like I said, it's a field that I've developed. Um, and, but I'm not, I don't want to take it to my grave. I don't want to take it to my grave. That's really what this is. And, um, so my tip is get, start digging into some um, complimentary. Um, I even have now that, now that you've asked that question, I actually have a three and a half hour, um, course that I did years ago about the history of medicine and the introduction of, and oils. And, um, I titled it Breaking the Cycle of Disease Management. I'd be happy to share that for just self-paced, you know, kind of looking into to get some information to kind of get you started on that. And there's no cost to do that. I'd be happy to, you know, gift that to anybody who would be interested. Oh, thank you so much for that generosity, Tammy. I'll put that info in the show notes for folks. Um, and if you could just speak to, since you mentioned that you developed, right, this kind of interface yourself, um, herbs, pharmacy, aromatherapy, and working in clinics, right, and educating them and actually clinically observing, right, it sounds like, and studying the effects of these things together and separately. So how have you been able to implement that and, and innovate in these clinical settings? <laughs> um how have I been able to do that? Um, I oftentimes what I would do is I would sit with clinical directors, um, give them kind of firsthand experience, let them experience it for themselves, and um, and then just go from there. But it was me putting my me not being afraid to walk in the door and go, we it's time to do this. I mean, I, and the thing is, to be honest with you, for the longest time, 
I struggled with this because there wasn't a lot of the science wasn't the, the science is only really coming into existence, but there's plenty of science. And as I mentioned earlier, there's not a lot of science to the oils individually, but there's a tremendous amount of science to the constituents. And that's important to remember because many oils contain similar constituents. So that's another reason why we just can't pick up an oil and go, oh, I can use this. It's important to know what's in your bottle. It's, it's important to know what you're using. An example is there's nine different types of lavender. There's, you know, like seven or eight different types of rosemary. I mean, there's a tremendous number of different types. So the chemotypes are important. And, um, but that's how I got in. That's how I was able to innovate was just really be willing to show up and say, hey, look, this is what I have. And people that were ready to listen and experience it, that's how I got my foot in the door. Yeah, this brings up another couple of questions. How do you even find these doors? And then how do you like knock on them and offer those invitations? I started looking for um, what I do is I start looking for people who practice functional medicine, who are doing an integrative medicine. Fortunately, we have, you know, the Institute for Functional Medicine, and they actually have their list of, you know, professionals. And so I started doing individual research. I would have other people assist me and we would research different locations and see what they were about. It might not even be in alignment with them, but if there was any hint that it could be in alignment with what they were promoting or what they were wanting to provide in a way of service, then that was, I don't want to say it was a target, but it was at least a door to knock on. And looking back on your journey, right, as, sort of like an innovative career and you paving it yourself and it being nonlinear. What do you think um, as far as could this be replicated? Could um, this be taught to other people wanting to carve out something similar? Um, do you feel like it's easier now than before? Um, or like looking back, what do you think um like, was it worth it to you? You know, are, are you happy that you did it? Yes, I, I um If somebody had asked me if this was what I wanted to do for a career, I would, I would have rolled my eyes at them. And I was a kid when I was younger. But today, I can honestly say I wouldn't change a thing. And it is much easier. It is definitely um, repeatable. Ooh, it's, it's definitely teachable. And um the only thing, the only requirement that I would say is the heart. You, you, the heart has to be in it, you know. And I and I say that with all due respect because it's not the the idea of healing, as I'm sure you know, is not. It's not a linear process. There's a lot of undoing that goes on in the system, and that's the one thing about oils that um, people don't recognize is that it, it has a way. They have a way of initiating that change like undoing what was you know what's been that gas on all the time and as a result of that the body may have what we know is a healing crisis there may be and so adjusting and being willing to adapt to how you're using them so that you can get the best results to optimize your medical approaches is really key so that's the reason why heart has to be in it because you have to be have to see that your body's actually working for you, like you were saying. Not, don't feel like it's betraying you, and realize that even if there is a hiccup, if you will, that hiccup 
it's to your advantage. And how do you dance with that hiccup? Love it. And out of all the different things that you're involved in, from like a clinical side, supporting people one-on-one or in more large settings or educating providers, what is the most rewarding part of your work? Mm. When, um, when someone contacts me and, um, <laughs> the most recent one is a woman with stomach cancer. She was stage four and, um, she's cleared of cancer. Yeah. And that came from the doctor that, that I got that, that phone call on Friday. It's those are the most rewarding moments because you talk about um, undergoing, she was going through chemo. She was using oils. Um, it was a journey. It was an absolute journey and she's been cleared of cancer. So those are the most rewarding ones when we see the benefit of what integration can actually do. Wow, that's amazing. And considering your own history, is cancer one of your specialty areas? I would say yes. Wow. Yes. That is huge. Um, I have to pass that along. So um, I want to thank you so much, Tammy, for coming on and sharing your beautiful heart with us and your journey. And I want to ask you if you have one or two more minutes for a rapid fire round. Sure. <laughs> okay, awesome. So number one question I like to ask everybody is, what's the number one thing you would recommend to somebody to improve their quality of life right now? Mm, the number one thing to improve the quality of your life is to put your feet up and um, <laughs> put your feet up and um Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, put your feet up and just enjoy. The, know that this is the moment. This is your moment. You've been given this moment. And um, savor it. You used the word reverence earlier. Savor this moment. Beautiful. And I know you just said you have no regrets about your journey, but if you could give one piece of advice to your younger self, what would it be? Don't listen to what other people, don't, don't listen to, you don't listen to what other people, the objections of others. Yeah. You know, there was a, yeah, that's the thing. It's just don't listen to the, there's a, there was a lot of objections and, um, uh, I don't want to use the word doubt, but it was, um, like I was being contrary, like I was just being arguing it. Like, so just, yeah, just don't listen to the objections of others. Just stand true when you know where your heart is. Yeah, that's such a big one. It's like dance to the beat of your own drum. But when that makes you look crazy, um, it's hard to do. And even though society is maybe the crazy one, maybe you're the normal one, but it's it's hard um, to do that. And, and fear of judgment is such a huge obstacle. Mm -hmm. So last uh, little fun question. Uh, what is your favorite hobby or pastime? This may come as a surprise, but I love gardening. 
no surprise. <laughs> Give us something surprising, <laughs> unexpected. Um, I actually like um I like playing the cello. Ooh. And I've and I have taken up tennis too. And I'm enjoying it. So nice. All right. Yeah. You can play to the beat of your own cello then. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right, Tammy. Well, please let our listeners know how they can learn more about you, get in touch, get that course, or learn more about your services. Absolutely. Well, my email is um as is Tammy at beremarkablyhealthy.com. That's my email. You're welcome to contact me there. And revolutionaryaromatherapy.com is my website. All right. Well, Thank you so much again for being a guest on the show. And I am wishing you a wonderful evening ahead. Thank you so much. This has been an absolute delight. <laughs> I have really enjoyed it. Thank you for making it so easy. Likewise, Tammy. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you learned something new from it, I'd love if you could leave us a five-star review and share it with a friend who might love it too. You can find me on any of the podcast and social media platforms by looking up Holistic Pharmacist or Dr. Marina Booksov. Thank you for your support and see you next time.